Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for his purpose. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much for standing up. Um, you know, all glory to God. That's all I can say is just this girl who knew nothing and didn't believe that God had a plan for her life or believed that she was chosen and what God did in her life and said yes to the call of God and to look out and see what God can do when you say yes. So come on, let's give him praise, right? Amen. Amen. All praise to the Lord. Let me open in prayer. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing. I thank you that your power, your presence, which is your power, is here in this room. It's been here. It's here last night. It's been here since the beginning of this morning. And you're already moving and you're going to continue to move, and you're going to continue to save, to heal, and to deliver, because that's the kind of God you are. And we thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last year, our theme was fearless. I can't believe last night when I said, how many of you, this is the first time you've been here, how many hands went up? I'm like, where have y'all been? Okay, you know, you're hearing a lot about next year's 20. Okay, all of you have to come back for 20. But last year was Chosen Fearless, and when I was preparing for Chosen Fearless, I ran across this statement that really impacted my life and brought to this theme. And the statement was, our power ends precisely where our fear begins. And I was like, wow, that's... That's a powerful statement. And I started to think about that statement. And I thought, well, gosh, if I'm living in fear, then I'm negating the power of God in my life. I'm not living in in the power that he has in my life. I'm making it ineffective, God's power in my life, because I'm living in fear. And then the Lord brought to me our scripture for this year, which is 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us, us, that's all of us, a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And in this scripture, Paul is writing to Timothy from prison. Paul is in prison, and Timothy is in Ephesus, and he's leading Christians, and Paul's wanting to encourage him. (laughs) He's leading Christians, he wants to encourage him. (laughs) Might need some Encouragement, they're leading some people, (laughs) might need some. He wants to encourage him and strengthen him to be brave in the face of hardships. And that's what he wants to do to us, to encourage us, to be brave in the face of hardships. And he reminds Timothy, Timothy, I'm praying for you. Timothy, fear is not your your disposition. 
It's not what you received. It's not what you saw in your mother and your grandmother. You see, Tim, we'll call him Tim, okay? His mother was Jewish, and she taught in the Scriptures. He came from a family of strong faith. And Paul is trying to fan the flame in Timothy's life. Hey, come on. Remember, remember. And Paul says, God has not given us. They are both in the service of the same God. It's that God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit that focuses more on our personal weaknesses, worst-case scenarios, or situations rather than the character of God. Focus on the character of God. But God has given us a spirit of power. So often in our world today, the word power has such a negative connotation that power is bad. I mean, we've heard absolute power corrupts absolutely. How many of you have heard that? And people can seek power for the wrong reasons, and it can be misused. But the power for good in the hands of someone whose heart is touched by God can make an incredible impact in people's lives and in our world today. It gives us the ability to rescue people from injustice we want that kind of power. The power of words gives people life. The, the Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. The power of life and death in our tongue. So our words can give people life. The power of love transforms people. The power of God transformed my life. That's why I'm here. That's why the whole message of chosen is here, because the power of God's love transforming my life to this person who didn't believe God loved her or had a plan for her and was so rejected and loved working, living and working in rejection and living in rejection and tried to take her life many times growing up. The power of God's love completely changed this girl's life. And it can change your life. We have power to transform people. God has given it to us. And don't think of power as having a lot of money or a million followers or social media. Being an influence, oh, they have power. No, they don't. It's not popularity. That is not the spirit of power. The spirit of power is the spirit of God working in us to create something that the world can't do and the world doesn't have. When God fills us with his power, we're able to face things that are difficult, and we don't have to do it by our own strength. Not by might, but by his spirit. God doesn't give us power to dominate people. That's not what power is about either. The Spirit of God is also a spirit of love, and I talked about that just a minute ago. But in Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in the hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that this morning, or through this conference, that the power of God's love is going to be manifested in your life in a way that you've never known it before. That the Holy Spirit is going to pour it out into you. Power without love looks a lot like dictatorship or even abuse. 
And love without power is hopeless. You can love something in life. I want to, but you don't have any power to make a change in something. And you don't have, so love is, you know, you want to have power with that love to be able to affect change. He's talking about agape love. You're going to have to love people that don't love you. That's what he's telling him. You're going to need some power to do that. Does it take power to love people that don't love you? I would say so. Okay, Matthew 5, 46. If you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Paul wants to Timothy to know. Timothy, Tim, don't make them, let you, don't make them bitter. Don't let them make you bitter. You are pastoring in a hard place in Ephesus. Persecution is going to come. Persecution is going to come to all of us. But don't let it make you be bitter. Tim, I'm in prison, but don't lose your love. Can you imagine he's in prison writing these words? He's encouraging him. He's in prison. He's encouraging him. He's encouraging Tim. Don't lose the love, Tim. God has given it to you. God has given you the love. He's given you the power. Stir it up. Stir it up. God gives us his spirit also to begin to create a sound mind. Discipline, self-control, healthy thinking. That's what a sound mind is. Thoughts, mental health. He wants us to be grounded in our thinking. And how does that come? Only through the Word of God. Only through the Word of God. So where does our power come from? It comes through God from the Holy Spirit. We heard some good stuff about power last night. God is the ultimate source of power. All, come, all power comes from him, and it, it is subject to him. First Chronicles 29, 11 to 12. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head above over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands, Lord, are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. It comes from him, the God of all power. God gives power to his people. The gospel itself is the power for salvation. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone. Who? Everyone who believes. The power of salvation. The power of the cross. The power of the cross that enables each and every one of us in this room to have power. God of the universe who holds all power gives us power and the difference that it can make in this world and in your life and in my life. And what took place on the cross when Jesus died was an extraordinary spiritual power. It was an act of extraordinary... Can you imagine... Can you think about the Bible says that when he hung on the cross, the land became dark and the earth shook. We're told that when he died, the veil in the temple that covered the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. 
A centurion looked up and said, truly, this is the Son of God. That kind of power. What kind of power was released on the cross? The power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness was released on the cross. Your guilt and mine was on the cross with Jesus. Your sin and mine was on the cross with Jesus. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When that veil in the temple was torn in half and ripped open, it was like God saying, I want you to have full access to me. And he gave it to us on the cross. You can come to me anytime you want to because of my son and what he did. Jesus in his sacrifice. Anytime you want. You can live in my presence all the time now. Wow. The veil was ripped into God into and God says through Christ you can now approach my throne the throne of grace and mercy you can come with boldness you don't have to crawl we were called back we called back into union with God Adam lost it but because of the cross Jesus gave it back to us you need wisdom you need guidance you ever need to you get discouraged and you need comfort do you ever get lonely and you need a friend? Well, God says, just come to me anytime. Even if you're not perfect, if you made mistakes, fallen or sin stained, just come anytime. Because if any of that mattered, who would be able to come? Right, right. Who? Right. I wouldn't. But that's why that veil was torn in two and the power of God ripped that veil in two and said, you have full access to me. The power of the cross where does that power come from? The cross and what Jesus did. Now we have the power of reconciliation. People can be reconciled not just to God, but to each other. He wants us to be reconciled to each other. Call back into union, friendship, or favor after being estranged. He wants us to be reconciled. Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, knew that hatred and racism existed between the Jew and the Gentiles. They wouldn't even speak to each other. But Paul said that on the cross, Jesus tore that veil of dividing wall of hostility that separated Jew and Gentile, making them one in Christ. And people who had become bitter enemies could become brothers and sisters. My husband has an incredible testimony of that in his own family. Because of him applying the cross and what the reconciliation of the cross did to his own family. He was estranged. You've heard him say, if you haven't, he hated his father. Hated his father. His father and his mother had been married to each other five times. They couldn't figure it out. We do not get our marriage advice from them. This year we've been married 49 years, so thank God. We have not... I know I only look like I'm 49, and that's just true. I got married very young. <laughs> but he has, when he, we came to know the power of the cross and of what the cross can do and that spirit of reconciliation and the power that God had in that, he said, I need to call my dad and ask my dad to forgive me. And then he was like struggling within himself, but he's like, but no, it was my dad. My dad needs to ask me to forgive him. He's the one who did this. I mean, because every time they get divorced, his father would dump him off at a different relative. And then he took off and left him with his grandparents. He was in high school, and his grandparents raised him. And he's like, what do you mean? I need to ask him to forgive me. 
But that God said, no, that's what you need to do because God wanted them to be reconciled. He wanted them to come back together. And Rick called his father and said, would you forgive me? And because of that, his father came to Jesus. The power of the cross. His father, his stepmother, his half-brothers, his stepbrothers. He's got lots of family all over the place. He says his father was a sperm donor. <laughs> Nieces and nephews that I love so much. The power of the cross, what it can do of reconciliation. We didn't even know that. We didn't understand what the power of the cross had done for us. But when we became, our eyes were open to that. We said, we want that. We're going to appropriate that, right? You learn new stuff and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. I need this. People redeemed by the blood of the cross are to be reconciled to each other and to God. It reconciles people of different races, male and female. What can do that? The power of the cross Ephesians 2.14, he has made Jew and Gentile into one people. All the division and strife and contention and stuff that we see in our world today. What can bring reconciliation? Only the power of cross. You can make rules, you can make laws to change things, but until the heart is changed, until the heart is changed, nothing's going to change. And only the power of the cross can change the heart. Then there's victory over evil. Paul writes in Colossians that when Jesus died, he disarmed spiritual powers and authorities opposed to God. Like the evil one, Satan, Jesus made a public spectacle of them. Spiritual powers. God had more power than that. Jesus got more power over the spiritual powers and he disarmed him. When Jesus died on the cross, he was really showing the ultimate triumph of the self-sacrificing love of God. And he was declaring that any darkness that tries to stand in the way of that will be defeated. Sin and guilt were ultimately defeated on the cross. That is the power of sin, of victory over sin. You don't have to be defeated by sin. You can begin to change. You can begin to experience transformation. You don't have to be trapped or stuck. That's the power of the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins, and the Father raised him from the dead. This event changed everything in history. And through the power of the cross and the resurrection, Jesus, he was resurrected into life. He returned to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus is not just an event to be celebrated. Oh, yes, it's Easter. We're going to celebrate this event. It's a power to be experienced. And I know he wants you to experience that power. And that power can live in you when you say yes to Jesus. And you draw near to Jesus. Just as Lisa was talking about proximity last night. Get close. Right? Draw near to him, and he says he will draw near to you. God showed how he will not just restore the world, like, but he has a plan and the power to make a totally new creation. I mean, and think about I'm a new creation. Think about that power. What can do that? Jesus, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The gold, old is gone, the new is here. That's power. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. It's in work in us? It lives in us? Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Our power is received from the Holy Spirit. I love this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon believers, people that believe. They, but it wouldn't stay. It would just come and rest on them, and it would leave. It did not dwell inside of them. It didn't remain in them. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was present during Jesus' ministry and enabled him to perform miracles and to cast out demons. While he lived on earth, he depended on the power of the Holy Spirit to do the ministry. So we went from it's resting on believers to it's in Jesus performing miracles. And remember, Jesus would say, what I see my father doing, that's what I'm doing. I have the power to do that. I love the story in Mark 5, 25 through 30 of the woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to read that. And there was a woman who had, because that's us, we have things that we need to touch Jesus, right? We need to come in proximity. We need to draw near to him, right? There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I just touch him, if I just come close to him, if I just touch him, if I just touch him, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? He perceived that power. She was drawing on that power in Jesus because she knew he had the power to heal her. And she drew on that power. Jesus perceived that power had gone out from him. And when Jesus ascended on high, we heard the scripture last night, and I love it. He told his disciples to wait for the power they needed. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in Acts 1.8. In John 16, 7, it says, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come after he returns to heaven. He says, but I tell you, it is for your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. We don't want Jesus to die, but he's like, it's imperative. I've got to go because it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't, the helper can't come to you. And that's what God wanted all the time. Also, in John 14, 26 and John 15, 26, it talks about the helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit coming in a different way. It was prophesied in the Old Testament according to Acts 2, 14, 21, and then it happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 1 and 3, we heard that last night. With the start of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit started living inside of believers, of those who believed in God. He lives inside. So we go from the power of God, the Spirit of God falling on believers in the Old Testament to the power of God working through Jesus to perform miracles in the New Testament, to the power of God, the Spirit of God, that can live in each and every person in this room. Because we believe in the power of the cross. Wow! Our power is also perfected in weakness. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, oh, you, got, you feel weak? His power is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that the power of Christ's power may dwell and rest in me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And the power that lives in us also supplies us with everything that we need to live this, in this life, this godly life that God's called us to live. It takes power. And he says that that power that's in us will give us, will supply all that we need to live this life. In 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself. That power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's in you. It enables you to say no to sin, frees us from fear, and it is an inner testimony to the fact that we are God's children and co-heirs with Christ. And as in Ephesians 1, it doesn't imply that we're promised to live just problem-free lives. Okay, we're not. But we are reminded in verse 17 that we might meet suffering like Jesus himself did, but the suffering ended in total victory in our lives. In total victory, and so will our lives end in total victory when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to live for Jesus. Remember, Paul was encouraging Timothy. Well, he's encouraging us today. That power can enable us to be triumphant. We have it for trials, temptations, testimony. A testimony is God does something incredible in your life, and he gives that power to do that. And in the Hebrew, a testimony means to do it again with the same power and authority. He wants to, he wants to have a testimony. He wants you to have a testimony in your life that he does incredible, something incredible with the power and that power, why do you think we have a conference called Power? He's not going to show up in power. It is a power that God exercises, delegated the power from God. No matter what situation or power pressure that may come upon us, we have power of God to address it. If you need help in your time of need, it is your help in time of need. It enables you to navigate conflict. It brings your family together. Never lose sight of the power of God that he wants to be in you, that he's put in you when you say yes to Jesus. And you just want more of that. You just draw near to him. 
just draw near to him. Wake up and remind yourself that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. It lives in me. And in those areas where you feel like, well, I'm less than, I shouldn't be here, I'm not worthy of being here. You know what? You're, you're leaning on yourself. Because it's not about you. It's about who's in you. It's not about you. You need to say, instead, I'm going to step up in that power and authority that you've given me by the Spirit of God. Jesus is raising the bar. I mean, as I prepared for this, he was raising the bar in my own life. He was challenging me. It's not me. I don't have to go. I don't have to walk out. I don't have to try any harder. He was calling me just to lean into his power, to lean in more to his power. He had something greater for me in my life. And he wanted me to believe for that and to lean into it. And I've faced some things in the past year that I never thought I'd have to face. And I've had to lean into his power more than ever before. More than ever before. And he's showing me that he had something greater for me. Just to lean into it because it was never about me but what he wanted to do in me. And what he has for me. And to live that life. How many of you are here and you're believing for something greater in your life? You're believing for God to do something greater. Maybe you're at a place that you need to begin at the cross. You haven't come to the cross. You haven't come to Jesus that has the power to forgive you from your sin, past, present, or future. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. That's where it's going to start for you, is to come to Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, He gives you the power to become a child of God. He's giving you, He gives you the power to become this new creation. Maybe you're here because you want to appropriate His power in your life, in your weakness, in your trial, your temptation, your family, your health, your fear, anxiety. Well, the power of God is here to save, to heal, and to deliver. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.